0: You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. Trees, mountains, a curious kiddo. It's time for the Green Desk on 95 BFM. Ah, the sweet sound of the cockapaw. Kākāpō were once abundant in New Zealand, found throughout the North Island and the South. Today, however, the few nocturnal, flightless parrots are only found on a handful of pest-free islands, with their breeding cycles linked closely to the fruiting of the rimu tree, which might only happen twice in a decade. This has led researchers to ask, how did the kākāpō cover the whole country without rimu being everywhere, and what were they eating? Well new research by Dr Alex Boast at Manaki Whenua, Landcare Research, may have the answer. Dr Boast has been diving deep into old kākāpō poo, which might help bring kākāpō back from the brink. Here's Dr Boast on his research.
1: Really what we wanted to do was to look at basically the prehistoric kākāpō diet. This is a, this is a bird that's gone down from what was a very big population. It was one of the most widespread birds uh, in New Zealand in the past. And it went down to sort of 51 birds in the 1990s. And it it must have obviously had a much more um, diverse diet and species interactions in the past. So we really wanted to have a look at that. We had this really um, neat resource, which which I'll talk about a bit more, which is the preserved droppings or coprolites. And using those, we could actually massively expand the kākāpō diet, and we found some really, really interesting stories, which might hopefully be of benefit to its conservation, and also um, uh, tells us a little bit about um, ancient New Zealand as well. So it's been a really cool study. We found some quite surprising results.
0: From reading into the study, it looks like you're not just looking into fossilised poo for fun, but it's actually kind of got oh, real benefits. <laughs> <laughs> it's got real <laughs> benefits for. It was fifty-one. Now it's two hundred and fifty kakapo left. How, how's how's this research going to help the kakapo of today?
1: Well, uh, we're well really hopefully actually it, it doesn't um, it's it's not like a, a problem exactly. It's a kind of a it's a good problem to have. Is that actually uh, the kakapo population? It's been very it's slowly expanding, but um, it's been very successful. And now they've been living on these three little offshore islands, which they um, were translocated to. And their the population is now starting to reach capacity. They're starting to think about, oh, we, you know, we need to start finding some more reserves to uh, relocate Kākāpō to. And so one aspect of this work is hopefully we'll be able to uh, elucidate new habitats where would be ideal places to translocate them to.
0: Now, just to interject in the interview for a second, there are plenty of endangered birds in New Zealand. You know, you throw a stone and you won't hit one of them. So why did this study look at the kākāpō over other birds? Here's Dr. Boast.
1: It seems in the past they were quite fond of roosting in caves, and caves, uh, especially if they're dry ones, they're kind of like natural refrigerators, so these have just dried out and preserved really, really well. And it's actually very few animals in New Zealand, or even around the world, have actually kind of obliged us this way, so we don't have records for every bird like this.
0: And now, back to Dr. Boast on the birds.
1: And uh, uh, another big problem with kākāpō conservation is that they've got this very weird uh, uh, breeding pattern, which is that they only reproduce every uh, two to five years, and uh, the reason is that is that they are very linked to the masting of certain trees, specifically remu. And what masting is, is when uh, all the individuals of a plant species uh, releases all its fruit at once, and not not annually. But sort of every, so it might be in the case of rimu, it's every two to five years or more, and so you have this huge influx of food at once. And kakapo have obviously linked their breeding cycle to these trees. And uh, so far in modern times, the only tree that seems to reliably trigger this is rimu. And so, since rimu weren't everywhere in, the, in New Zealand, uh, and kakapos seem to have been uh, in a lot of habitats, rimu were not. This seems quite likely. There were other Trees that would have triggered breed, uh, breeding in the same way, so it was hopefully we were going to be able to see if there were other plants in there that might have had the same role. So that was one of the big goals too. So um, we found some results that might be able to help with that too.
0: Can you are we are we allowed to know the results? Like what 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 are the other um, oh. plants and everything? <laughs> like
1: yeah. Oh absolutely. So the the plant specifically was um, is a southern beech tree. So there's a Nothofagus. And uh, so, nothing, so that southern beaches comprise about 50% of New Zealand's surviving forests today. And just like Rimi, they're masting trees, so they produce huge um, uh, drops of seeds at, at once. And so it's been a big question whether maybe beach uh, triggered uh, breeding in the same way. We've found from these coprolites. In certain habitats, particularly in upland areas, about 50%, well, more more than 50%, actually, most of the DNA came from southern beech trees. We can't say exactly whether they were the seeds or the leaves, but uh, it seems to be quite clear that they were feeding on these trees quite a lot, and it seems uh, very likely, whether they did it unwittingly or not, when these trees were producing seeds, they would have suddenly uh, had a huge influx of of this uh, new nutrient into their diet, so it seems like this is quite a possible uh, stimulus that would have occurred in these other areas. So I think the southern beech forests looked like it was a fantastic kākāpō habitat in the past.
0: Mm. So, so potentially, if there's a place with a lot of southern beech trees, we could introduce kākāpō there. Um, but, yeah,
1: well, theoretically. But yeah, well, yeah. I was
0: thinking uh, the problem with birds being so interlinked with the mast years is that. It's not only birds that love marshes, but all the pests as well. So I guess it has to uh, be exactly. it has it's, to be a, a pest-free island where these birds are going.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's really the big limitation. And of course, you know, not every island will have, um, you know, remue trees or beach. And it seems, uh, so whether whether this will have to be, you know, probably done with more, more evidence to suggest rubber trees can do it. In fact, there's been, um, uh, they kind of, Bit confusing kakapo because they want to show us that look it seems to be linked with these trees, but on the other hand, they they breed where they where they don't uh, exist, and there was one incident uh, in the 1990s where kakapo uh, on Ward Island bred feeding on uh, pine needles. So they're um, they're actually kind of probably a lot more versatile than we like to give them credit for, and certainly looking at the fossil record, it's they uh, they were very widespread, and we find them even almost in sort of um, Dryland uh, woodland in Central Otago. What they were doing there, we don't really know. Unfortunately, got no coprolites of kakapo in that habitat. But uh, yeah, so it's a it's a lot to find out.
0: Mm, so it's almost um, what we know about kakapo today, apart from you know with studies like yours. Like we, we view them through this very small lens, and and they're exactly. very really restricted environments where they're actually you know they could be up in mountains yeah. or underwater. Who knows.
1: Um, yeah uh, uh, I mean another uh, uh, <laughs> yeah underwater <laughs> no, no, um, maybe, 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 not, maybe, possibly I don't know <laughs> we, ne- we don't,
0: we don't but, know
1: uh, uh, yeah another, I mean, another good example of a species like that is uh, takahe, and because uh, takahe were found only in this uh, valley in the Murchison mountains and there's this idea that they're a kind of an alpine bird um, but the fossil record again shows that no takahe were found uh, all throughout the lowlands as well and even in forests so they were much more of a flexible with their habitat, and we like to think. And this is kind of what the sort of uh, discipline we're looking at, which is what is called conservation and paleobiology. So looking at paleo, you know, prehistoric data to try and help with conservation a bit. Because uh, when you get these species and you bring their populations down to this really small level, you're just looking at a, uh, a very small uh, portion of their real habitat range. It's, you get this observation bias and so you kind of mm. weird you can it's a good idea to bring in any kind of prehistoric data if possible uh, it can tell you quite a lot about these animals
0: that was the green desk thank you so much to dr Alex boast from Manaki Fenua land care research for sharing with us all about the kakapo that was the green desk on 95 bfm